You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 582, a Christmas quiz and our obsession with the Christmas number one, the Guardian's insane guide to winter cheer, the horror of book clubs and remembering Victor Lewis Smith. That's all coming up after Nick Lowe and Christmas at the airport. Outside the taxi window On the way to catch my flight I noticed snowflakes playing In the ever-failing light When he dropped me at departure It was really coming down Deep and crisp and even It settled on the ground It looks like Christmas Christmas at the airport All the planes are grounding And the fog is rolling in It looks like Christmas Christmas at the airport this year Doors are locked and bolted Let the festivities begin The terminal was seething Without much Christmas cheer So I found an empty closet And bedded down in there When I awoke much later I was quite alone Check-in was deserted Everyone had gone It looks like Christmas Christmas at the airport I took a set of x-rays They came out rather well It looks like Christmas Christmas at the airport This year I'm doing Santa's sleigh ride On the baggage carousel
a splendid Christmas treat from the master of cool, from an album about which Nick says, we try to make it a sleigh bell free atmosphere. Mm. Uh, the, the album is Quality Street, a seasonal selection for all the family. Nick Lowe and Christmas at the airport. Oh, that is such a delightful album. It really is. It's called Quality Street and it really is total quality all the way around. I love that record. I think it's so... It's like you say, it's got such a lovely atmosphere. It's festive mm. without being kind of cynically jingly belly annoying. It's just a really, a really fun record. I love that. Well, ho, 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 and welcome along to Parish Council episode 582. Goodness I'm, me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> How has this happened? How does yeah, this keep happening? I just what? don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm Terence <laughs> Stackham, and well, let's open the window for today on the advent calendar. Oh, look, it's Juliet Harris. Hello. I feel like I should be like splayed out of a window with snow all around sort of little wooden kind of slats in a festive way. Hello. Um, I, greetings from Hastings and not as the lovely man in the train, uh, uh, the train booth put it the other day when I went to buy a ticket. Ah, oh, you're going to Ho Ho Hove, are you? Oh, no. Oh, God, I know Brighton good. and Brighton and Ho Ho Hove. Indeed, very we good. like man in the train in the train booth. He's fine. He's allowed to do that. Good morning, I, afternoon, evening, everybody. I had to reclose. Um, a, a door on my advent. I've got the country life advent <laughs> calendar here. I'm so sorry. I love I this. That I, is, I haven't got one this year. I had a jam mm. one last year. This year, though, <laughs> of all the people I knew that would have a country life uh, advent calendar, it did. Um, thank you for being you, Terence. I yes. so appreciate it. And the theme when you open the doors is uh, Christmas. Christmas carols, a line from a Christmas Christmas carol, mm. and a, an illustration to go along with it. Oh, lovely. This is very classy. I like well, this. Well, indeed, except that there was this obscure carol, I think it was on the 6th of December, sometime around then, it's out of reach of me here, and um, it, it, it was about um, everybody gathering round a hog's head, and the illustration <laughs> was this pig's head on a platter, and being a vegan, I thought, <laughs> holy moly, is, I so mean, I'm that so door sorry went shut straight lost, away. Indeed. Oh dear, uh, my uh, my apologies for you having been well triggered yes. by your advent calendar Indeed. this year. Who knew that was a thing? I look forward to the picture and the piece about it in the Daily Mail at the weekend. <laughs> well, now l- last week, um, you know, we 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 spent some time looking at some lovely gifts that we 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 thought might suit uh, Juliet for Christmas, and uh, much to my um, concern, I believe you found uh, some. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, I haven't. I haven't. I did start to have a look for you, and I came across this article that is so brilliantly deranged that I thought we could enjoy this together. This is by the excellent Awa Madawi in the Guardian. The headline: <laughs> Build the Wall Blocks and Infowars Whiskey. What the far right are gifting each other this Ooh, Christmas? Lovely. So Ooh, I can give you these here. things. You yeah. will, yes, indeed. So you might remember this very strange episode a couple of years ago um as where where there was a, a a nascar driver called brandon brown and there were people shouting obscenities about course, uh, joe biden yes. in the crowd and they they were tr- the commentators tried to p- convince the general public that they were chanting let's go brandon instead yes. well enterprising people have, have, have got on top of this so you can if you wish terence you can have let's hmm. go brandon bumper stickers mats hats cookies you can even buy let's go brandon wrapping paper there's a georgia company called and i regret to inform you this freedom speaks up who claim that they sold over five hundred thousand square foot of this novelty wrapping paper last year so that's what we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap the presents in um as, as the ceo says we're having tons of 
fun with this. There's no way to spend 20 bucks and get more smiles on Christmas morning. Um, heartwarming stuff. This is what Christmas is all about, eh? Comments, uh, Owen Madawi. Who, by the way, this is a, a piece that's worth reading. She put, she puts it, I don't normally do gift guides because I am a serious journalist who writes hard-hitting <laughs> stories about pepper spraying myself by accident and cloning my dog. However, I'll make an exemption this year because truly we're spoiled for choice when it comes to completely bonkers conservative merchandise. Okay, so if you don't want the wrapping paper, fine. Well, no, because I'm, I'm, as someone who broadly supports uh, yes. President Biden's um, hopes and dreams, that. I'd rather not uh, covertly no. be telling him to go elsewhere. No, having said that, though, you could tear the wrapping paper up when you're <laughs> opening your presents. That might be quite cathartic. Mm. Well, if you don't like that, that, maybe you could drown your sorrows in some Alex Jones's conspiracy theory themed whiskey instead. <laughs> um, hot on the heels of George Clooney's tequila, tequila, tequila company, Ryan Reynolds' gym brand, Matthew McConaughey's apparently collaborated on Bourbon. Um, Rumor had it that Alex Jones, the guy that was recently ordered to pay nearly mm. $1.5 billion in damages to the families of the victims of the 24th claimed Sand- for bankruptcy last yes, week. Yes, indeed. Is uh, soon releasing a whiskey. What's it called? It's Conspiracy. <laughs> that is the name oh, of the whiskey. So if you God, want some Alex Jones whiskey. However, there is something for the, there is something a bit more adorable for you, Terence. I'm going to send you a photo of this oh, now. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. you, I think you might, this might be more up your street. Mm. Um, this is, um, this mm. is a cute little Trumpy Bear. So Trumpy Bear is a 22-inch long stuffed toy with a Trump-styled toupee. Can you see him in a little I've got him here, yes. And the collar. Um, Wrapped in the American flag. When America is great, business is great, says one man in the advert. With business is great, I'm great. I love you, Trumpy Bear, as uh, as Owen puts it. Because this was all completely deranged, everyone assumed the bear was fake. It was not. It was a real product that retailed for about $60 and flew off the shelves during the holidays. They're very popular gift items, both for people who like and dislike the president. An executive from the Trumpy Bear Company, it's actually called this, told the cut. If you missed out on one while getting getting hold of one whilst Trump's sitting in office, you'll be glad to know it's still available. Presidents may come and go, but Trumpy Bear is forever so you can have a trumpy bear also but that's, that's as bad as his digital <laughs> trading cards that he launched this week for 100 <laughs> i thought that was a joke but it's not he really has <laughs> I mean, launched a set I mean, of trading cards doesn't that sum up Trump's with his, brand, himself though? dressed up as a superhero <laughs> didn't did, didn't this sum up trump the brand though i thought he was joking oh wait he's president yeah and just mm. just to top this all off mm. uh, it, it, what's better than lego rip off lego where the lego <laughs> logo is replaced by MAGA instead. A Trump MAGA build the wall construction set. You combine what is essentially a giant grey brick wall made out of Lego bricks with a little guy in a sort of a, a, which might be Trump in a suit and tie and a hard hat saying so by the pet the Patriot Depot described as the best selling conservative toy of all time at $19.95 um, as, this, as, as our friend says here the marketing blurb also claims, she said, I'm not sure what data this is based on, but we'll just go with it, shall we? The marketing blog also claims that the left needed psychiatric help after seeing the build the wall set for the first time. They are furious. It's back. Yeah, I'm totally triggered, Terence. I don't know about you. But anyway, um, and if you think this wasn't enough to be going on with, the best thing you could buy 
for you know the conservative supporting person the american conservative supporting person is your life as our friend puts it here a subscription to the guardian go on trigger them i dare you so so if if, if, if you're listening and you really need a trump maga lego ripoff build the brick wall in your life or a trumpy bear or some Infowars whiskey um why not eh? um presumably there might be someone out there there's a market for this terence that's what's the most frightening thing is it's these are viable terrifying. businesses Though I doubt the Lego wall is going to be any more effective than the one that he <laughs> kind of half built um, during I his mean, term have, in office. Exactly. You have to say, in fairness to the Lego wall, it does exist. It is a thing, <laughs> isn't it? It is in a box you can buy. It does actually, you can build it. It does. It is real. It's not just, you know, being shouted at from a podium. Wouldn't it be terrible if they it developed on and they, they rather like train sets and Sabutio, <laughs> you could buy little side items to build a whole sort of area around it. So you'd, you'd have like little cages to put children yeah, in. And, and, and holding pens yes, and all sorts of things. Yes. And presumably you could buy an expansion pack that includes Ron DeSantis, I guess, and things yes. like that. You know, where you have to buy the new teams for the new season. Yes. Um, Sarah Paling out of print for some time, I assume. <laughs> Well, here's something to make everybody wish it could be Christmas every day. Indeed. It's not, not a, a Trumpy bear, fortunately. Not a Trumpy yes, bear. My apologies to have introduced that yeah. into all of our lives. I, I know, or the Lego wall. Um, yes. it, this is a Christmas number one singles quiz. Yeah, yeah. This, this is more like it. Thank you, Sir Terrence, for giving me a nice present. Thank you. This, this is going to be just such joy for you and the listener, because I'm going to give you the first line oh. of ten UK Christmas number ones. Oh, no, I'm really pants at lyrics. So, OK, let's try. Oh, great. Um, the vast... <laughs> <laughs> the... No, I'll give you clues and whatnot. You'll be all right. Yes, you're the, always the... very nice. Yeah. The vast majority of which are from your time on Earth. Um, hmm, but I think yeah, kind. one or two might be tricky for even the UK's premier quiz queen, Juliet Lucy yeah, Harris. I mean, that's really not me, but thank you. I can try. Yes. Uh, seven out of ten required to win the, with the, to win the big prize, which is Matt Hancock's 2023 calendar. Um, is the second prize two of them? I assume <laughs> it is. Twelve months of joy for you there. He's, I was, uh, I was really poses. hoping. I was really hoping for out of the blue, the rise and fall of Liz Truss, um, oh, or yes. maybe maybe yeah. a first edition where it's just the rise, and you'll always be left wondering how that ended. Well, they they had to. Um, Harry Colwell, his yeah. co-writer, that to re- stuck in the last chapter, didn't they? Because yeah, they, they did. weren't they expecting did. it to end quite as it did. Indeed. I mean, we were all expecting it to end up in a bargain yes. thing in the works. We weren't expecting her to end up in there either with oh, quite indeed. the speed she did. But anyway, what a year it's been, said he. <laughs> Ten first lines. You have to tell me the song. And I'm going to give you bonus points. Uh, they're, they're available for the artist on the year. Oh, OK, right. All were num- number one at Christmas. No help from the audience now. Quiet okay. in the studio. Right. This is okay. for the big prize, the Matt Hancock calendar. Indeed, yes. The start. Yes, you're going to be fine here from the start. We're going to go to a flying start. Is this the real life? Ah, or is this just fantasy? It is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And what year or years? Years. Well, okay. So, 1977? 75. Okay, uh, 1990, I think it was number 1991. one. 1991. Half oh, a point on each of those. But you've got the, the, the main point. <laughs> yes. The main point is for recognising the song, and you've got so, that. Excellent. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you something. <laughs> I think you'll understand, Sergio. Yes. That is, I want to hold your hand Correct. by the Beatles. Oh, With now you. here's a question of the year. 64? 63. Oh, damn it. Yeah. One year out. Doing very well. I knew you'd do well. Nothing to worry about here. Too kind. 
Candlelight and Soul Forever. Uh, um, oh, it's Candlelight and Soul Forever. Yeah. It's the Spice Girls to become one. Correct. I tried to Nin- phrase it so you wouldn't get it. No, go on. 19? 1996. Correct. All round. Hey! Three out of three. Now, the first of the more tricky ones that you oh, okay. may need some help on. Okay, fine. Now, we have been through the harvest. Oh, okay. Um, I might need a little bit of uh, of assistance on this. Um, it's someone who you and I wouldn't know the lyrics <coughs> from his Christmas hits, but in the um, 90s, he seemed to rock up at number oh, one all no. too often with this his Christian cr- rock. Christmas pestilence, Cliff Richard. <laughs> it is Cliff. Um, Oh, God, so which which of these horrible ones are going to be? Can you say the line again? Now we have been through the harvest. Oh, I have this horrible feeling he's calling us, calling us on St. Saviour's Day. It's correct. Uh, I'm going to give you half on that for the help. Can you get the year? 1992? 1990, half of that. Oh, fair enough. Disco dancing with the lights down low. It's Dancing Queen by ABBA. It's not Dancing Queen. Oh, no. This is a number one. Friday nights and the. Okay. This is a number one in the 2000s. I'm going to give you another go at it. Oh, it's Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. Yeah, I knew you knew it. Yeah, and that would be. Ooh, um. 2003. Two. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm always one year out. You are again, but I'm going to give you that because you did so well after your blurting of the uh, ABBA. Yes, of Friday nights and the lights down. No, I didn't think yeah. that was a Christmas number one. Anyway, my apologies. Baby, if you've got to go away. Oh, don't think I could take the pain, Sir Terence. Won't you stay another day? Correct. Who's By that E17. And let's go for the year. 1994? Correct, all round. What have we got now? We've got one, two, three and a half, four and a half, Mm. five and a half to this point. That is not bad. Not bad, five and a half to six. Snow is falling. All around us, children playing, having fun. It's the season for love and understanding. Merry Christmas, everyone, from Shaky. Shaky and a year. Oh, now this is a. I I never know when this is. Um, eighty three, eighty five. You oh. keep peppering the target with the year, oh, but you, exactly, you're getting yeah. the uh, you're getting the songs right, which is the main thing. Now then, I think this will possibly be the last one to give you any grief. All right. Okay. The child is a king. The carolers sing. Oh. I don't think I know this. I might need a clue. You will need a clue. Of course, it's him again. We've had him already. Oh, no. Yet again, Christmas pestilence, Cliff Richard. In which case, it's going to be the other one, isn't it? Which is mistletoe and wine. Correct. Let's see if you can get the year on this one instead of getting all around it. Is that 89? 88. (laughs) Oh, damn it. I'm not sorry, though. I don't particularly enjoy these records, so it's fine. I knew that the cliff ones would be the ones that would yeah. uh, would be would be the tricky ones. Two to go. What about sunrise? 
What about rain? Oh, well, this isn't Cliff Richard, but I find this equally as dreary, I must say. It's Earth Song by Michael Jackson. And let's get the year. Come on, let's get one. 95. Correct! Hooray! Hooray. Sorry, that was quite loud, probably for the listeners (laughs) at home, but I was pleased. I'm sorry. May need a clue with this one, but maybe not. Well, look at there. Look at there. Oh, is it Reet Petit? It's Reet Petit. That was a re-release, wasn't it? That it was, was a jeans yeah. advert thing after Jackie yeah. Wilson had died. Um, awesome. 1990. 86. Not oh, giving you that one. No, fair six, enough. However, six and a half, seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half. The only one I didn't give you was Saviour's Day because you needed a bit of uh, Yes, that, that's not very, Thank you, Sir T. Some of them were great, some of them less so, but uh, never mind. eh? Some more memorable than others. Um, Well, you know, there's Christmas number ones, and the competition to have the Christmas number one single Mm. may have lost some of its edge in recent years. In America, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You, that's charged to the top of the Billboard Billboard charts, largely due to streaming. Mm. Over the last few years, always seems to be number one. Here in the UK, some people singing about sausage rolls and raising money for Trussell Trust food banks, uh, they've dominated the number one spot. As it stands, the old-style battles, depending on Mm -hmm. getting people into old-fashioned record stores and buying seven-inch singles, that seems to be gone forever. Jules, I'm not so sure anyone cares about what's the number one single at Christmas anymore. And I think you're probably right, Sir Terence. Although, having said that, very much worth it to look at this Guardian article. Would I, one would, in what other circumstance could you have pictures of Mariah Carey and Mr. Blobby put side by side <laughs> in the same context? Looking great, obviously. And actually, Mariah Carey, in recent years, has proved herself to be better humoured than, than the, her previous <laughs> reputation had suggested by advertising Walker's Chris over here, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, so and her appearing with, with Mr. Blobby feels less, less sort of far fetched than it once. But anyway, yes, um, I, I I wish the sausage roll people well, obviously. Not sentences I ever thought I would say. Slightly surprised that Martin Lewis has become tangled up in the whole bizarre enterprise. But anyway, good for him, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's just, it's become... Well, it feeds into what, if you pardon the pun, it feeds into what we were saying the other week, doesn't it? About, you know, it's just not... It's just it's just the charts don't really matter anymore, do they? So why would the Christmas number one race matter? It's never been about music, though, has it really? I mean, as proven by a couple of Christmas days ago, I unusually was required to drive on Christmas Day afternoon. So I drove I had to drive about sort of half an hour across, across town and um, I put the radio on it was radio two and they were playing all the christmas number ones from sort of i think but they were in the sort of late 70s early 80s when i started some of them were awful terence i'm still <laughs> scarred by that journey i had to sit through rene and renata oh the st life. winifred school choir i think joe dolce might have been pla- i don't know what was going on but it was just horrendous and i i needed counseling and a large <laughs> meal after that which was just as well i was going somewhere i had a large meal that Christmas day but yes like you I, I remember the days gone by of the chart battlers particularly the 90s when you look at how much those singles were selling to get mm. to the Christmas number one in the 90s um, I'm, I'm hooray for the folk hero of Mr Blobby making Gary Barlow so cross when he got the Christmas number one instead but um, yeah it was just very, particularly E17 then pinched it as well it's very um, it was a very weird time where records were just selling and selling and selling and selling weren't they and now what will lab baby have to sing to get to the christmas number one what will they have to sell not very much i suspect 
No, probably not. And I mean, here in the UK, um, presumably because of streaming, and I think their inclusion in so many Christmas playlists that people just Mm. click on and and listen to, each year around mid-December, here they all come again, barreling up the chart. I mean, as we record this on Friday, the 16th of December, there's still one Mm. week to go of charts. As we record this today, Wham! have just reached number one with Uh. Last Christmas. Mariah's at number two. And then you've got Elton at 21 shaky 13 yes, the exactly. band-aids in the top 20 quite um and of course what's going to what presumably is going to happen the sausage roll people will zoom in at the last yes. minute next week and, and take and the number we'll, one and we'll take the number one and what's so interesting about that city is uh, that people haven't made christmas records for a very long time and for years and years the christmas number one was shared out between whatever the john lewis thing was or x factor for years mm. and years and now the now we're in the yeah. sausage roll supremacy era for a bit but what what all of those streaming songs going up the chart suggests to me is that there is an appetite. I wonder if there is an appetite for new Christmas songs, because I know loads of people that are always trying to find new Christmas songs. We've all got playlists with like alternative people and we'll swap playlists. And you might say, well, yes, they are classic stuff like Elton John. But there was a time when Step Into Christmas by Elton John didn't exist. And then it did. And then people used to listen to it mm. and still do. So it makes me wonder... Uh, the, the fact that people are willing to listen to the same 25 Christmas songs year after year after year because they want Christmas songs, does it so maybe if there was ever to be a chart revival, would it start with people actually making Christmas songs? I tell you the Christmas record that I've really grown to like in the last decade or so. Mm. I nearly picked it for the pod this week and I didn't. I so regret that now. Um, mm. Christmas Lights by Coldplay. That gets played a lot on mm. things nowadays. And it's it was perfect for lockdown Christmases with its kind of gloomy doesn't really feel like christmas at all refrain at the beginning and it's a really lovely song and i i yeah it feels to me like maybe there is a gap maybe there could be a christmas record revival because people clearly really want to listen to them from what spotify is telling us well your point is well well made because i looked at the top 10 a little earlier and the only song going upwards in the top 10 that isn't a a heritage Mm. christmas song is stormzy and his single is far from uh indeed yes so your point is well made um coming next the guardian has 53 ways to (laughs) add cheer to your life in midwinter and it's mostly guardian and yeah i was gonna say even i think this is unhinged so we'll be interested to unpack this and it's right after jody it's coming on christmas they're cutting down trees they're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace oh i wish i had a river i could skate away stays pretty green I'm gonna make a lot of money then I'm gonna quit this crazy scene I wish I had a river I could skate away on I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to
He tried hard to help me, you know. He put me at ease, and he loved me so. Naughty made me weak in the knees. Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I'm so hard to handle. I'm selfish and I'm sad. Now I've gone and lost the best baby that I ever had. Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to. One of my favourite festive tunes. I'm not sure if you could class it as a Christmas tune or not, really. I'm sort of out out, of, out on the fence on that. But um, I liked it for years. And again, like Christmas Lights by Coldplay, took on real significance in me during lockdown. I remember playing this on my last smooth sailing before Christmas in 2020 when it looked like we were all going to lock it down again. And indeed we did. And I remember lots of people listening to it. And I was sitting in a room with my with a, in my parents' spare bedroom that used to be my bedroom once upon a time and is now a, a bedecked out in pink sewing room which I'm delighted my mum can enjoy the space in that way but I was sort of crammed into this spare bedroom doing this little sort of on a sewing table doing this radio show and everyone just seems to love Joni and everyone just seems to love this record and everyone took a lot from this record at that time I think and I think it's such a it's such a beautifully reflective tune I love the little sort of motif at the beginning as well it's gorgeous River by Joni Mitchell. Yes it's it's Joni at her wistful blue yes. best absolutely it's a very kind gesture from a group of guardian and observer journalists to put together an article (laughs) to help us all in these days of darkness and in a troubled world in the bleak midwinter um yeah it's it's been a tricky year uh, here in the uk as you referred to earlier and of course around the world as well and here we've had three three prime ministers in a year one of whom lasted 
Yeah. <laughs> one, one, one prime minister lasted seven weeks, of which two weeks the country shut down to the death of the Queen. So yeah, Liz Truss right. was actually running the country for about a month. Uh, a, a bizarre interlude that now feels like a bad dream. But the, the word bizarre brings us back to The Guardian and their mm. 53 easy ways to add cheer to winter. And we're going to focus on five of their lunatic suggestions. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can I just say, to mm. start off with, I already felt ill looking at the photo at the top of this article, which was, and, and you, you know me, Sir Terence, I might not be the most stylish person ever, but I do mm. like to match things, I do have a sense of colour of what gets put together so and there's there's a thing nowadays um, we use this a lot of work for sort of diversity where you sometimes have audio descriptions of things so sometimes if someone can't see a photograph very well they, they might be colour blind and they might have mm. some issues you set out underneath you describe the photo so I would describe this photo as there is a turquoise boys blue background and then a very bright blue table that doesn't really go with it. There is a sink which is black with very aggressively white um, washing powder in it. Um, there is a young woman holding a pair of white and green and black trainers that do not go with the background. Um <laughs> But do not go with her orange jumper or her cerise trousers or skirt that she's wearing. I mean, I think I'm getting another migraine now, Terence. <laughs> just looking at that. I find that that does not, to me, ogre well for the the level of sanity accompanying the tips that will be in the article. That is my my immediate first press impression there. Well, imagine you come in tired from work, even if your commute is only from your spare bedroom to your sitting room. Indeed, um, yes. Uh, this will really zing if you're a nurse or a care worker or a yes, paramedic indeed. in at number 38 the guardian team suggests to cheer you up clean your fridge pound <laughs> for pound it's unbelievable pound for pound they say the most satisfying piece of housework take half an hour to declutter and then scrub with hot soapy water so there you are jules i imagine you will brighten your day by following just such a course who are these people? Where do they come from? Well, how do they get paid to write this? Why should I listen to them, Satie? This is just... Oh, I mean, I, I, you know what? I, I may be being a little bit um, uncharitable here, and it's a charitable time of year, so maybe I should be more charitable. But given the state of my guardian nowadays, and particularly its lifestyle supplements, <laughs> um, which have left me behind in the cost of living stakes, Satie, I must be honest, in terms of in terms of where I am, do they ever clean their own fridge or do they have someone else that does it for them? I suspect, I suspect there might be a novelty factor to these people writing in The Guardian that, like you say, those of us toilers of the world do not have other people to clean our fridges for us. Um, I have to say there have been moments where I have cleaned my fridge. I've not not enjoyed the experience. Having said that, though, would I want to do that after a day spent sat in my spare room exchanging contracts on properties? I, I, I like to pick my moments in my life, Terence. I'm not sure that is the moment, really. Well, OK, now here's one that will chime um, with you, Juliet. Oh, OK. Though I must confess to never owning one myself in my life. In at Ooh. number 37. What is this that you've never owned? I'm interested now. If you're stressed with winter gloom, the Guardian says, wear a cardigan. Hey! So there you go, Jules. Your lifestyle of years standing is suddenly the cool way to brighten up a winter's day. 
Well, you know what they say, Sati, if you don't follow fashion, fashion will eventually follow you. And I'm very glad that it has to the extent where apparently, either last year or year before, Taylor Swift's most popular selling item on her website at one stage was a large cardigan, an oversized cardigan with a T on it that was cream and, and, and had a, you know, it was very popular, apparently. I think it was the Evermore cardigan. People liked it very much. So, so it's me and Taylor Swift. And I particularly like... I mean, the Guardian is just so the Guardian, isn't it? Even man is, man manages to make this sound lame. And I really like wearing cardigans. True connoisseurs of fashion have always known that the cardigan is exactly where it's at. Well, I haven't said it's where it's at. I just really like wearing them. But still, you can undo a cardigan whenever you enter a warm room. Why is the cardigan explaining to people how to dress and undress themselves? I don't understand. Anyway, you can roll up the sleeves and look like a supply art teacher. I love how that's the selling point, Satie. That is great. <laughs> a single garment offers a million looks, all of them wonderfully unthreatening. Can I just say the best pose I've ever seen anybody do with a cardigan was when I was DJing at a joint 50th birthday for two academics once. And one woman there enjoyed the music I was playing so much that she took off her gold lame cardigan and swung it around her head. That's how one ought to wear a cardigan, I feel, with the style and panache of that lady. I want to say something terribly unwoke. I'm going oh, to do it. That's not like you, Terence. You're usually full of muesli and cheer. Yes, indeed. Oh, hey, hey. Women look cute in cardigans. Men mm. in cardigans look like they've given up on life. <laughs> Oh dear i'll send that i'll send your feedback to my dad and see see what the response is but um i can see the point you were making maybe some nice elbow patches would jazz that up for you sir terence i don't know the guardian list um it gets more dopey the higher we go so it, it, mm. number 26 uh, number 26 in the guardian top 53 is make every recipe in a book which really it, it, <laughs> kind of clangs along with what you were saying earlier about being in touch with the uh, with modern uh, the situation it's it, by the way making the recipe in it in a, every recipe in a book it sounds like the christmas choice of mr creosote but yes um, it does rather i just don't think i'm not sure of the sensitivity in these times of austerity um they say become a militant glutton start at the beginning and work through to expand your palate so militant militant gluttony jewels as we all gather at kitchens indeed yes i'm sure everybody that is currently visiting a food bank will be able mm. to find lots of things to make in there I, the thing is this is a guardian as well isn't it so it's going to be something like ottolenghi isn't it which has got stuff in it that is lovely but i've never heard of you know stuff like no, zapata no. and stuff like that that's not really an asda's is it i mean no offense to the good people at asda but um yeah my, my view is is mm, i mean it's, it depends what the book is isn't it it's one thing if it's i don't know some of jamie oliver's budget books are quite good i can imagine they would probably be quite quite accommodating but yes it is a little bit eat as much as you can isn't it which as you say is a little bit tone deaf in these times i thought the internet had killed recipe books for good because if you want to make anything whether exotic or simple yeah um not only if you do you, if do, do you get the ingredients but if you go to youtube you'll find almost mm. certainly somebody or a hundred people who have made it before and did like our friend brooklyn you beckham you could just watch our friend brooklyn beckham remember brooklyn him beckham. and his cooking program we can just watch him making pasta a man at the very top of his, his game indeed um the final two 
uh, make me believe that the authors of this piece don't live in a major city um, because at number 22, talk to strangers in queues. <laughs> now, that might be fine in a little corner shop in the Yorkshire Dells, but I can tell you that if someone t- starts talking to anyone in a queue in London, immediately there's a sense of panic and alarm. Um, in, in cities, Jules, nobody speaks to any stranger, least of all in a queue. I mean, that's probably true. Having said that, I did find the cities of York and Leeds to be very welcoming when I visited them recently. I maybe think the problem might be your London, Sir Terence, because I've been I've been into London. I've been to London. I'm aware of its work. And I've I've been even post lockdown. The tube has regained its old character, which is rammed and furiously silent. There is this kind of repressed fury to commuters on the tube. And what is so brilliant is that nobody ever speaks. And if two people know each other and they have a conversation, everyone else looks around until they stop. It's um, it's really um, it's really weird. It feels like you're in some, you know, Valley of the Dead or something type film in that. You, I took my headphones out the other day and thought, oh, I suppose I need to, you know, work out what's going on around me. What's going on around me is 50 people silently walking in the same direction. That is what is happening. Nothing else is, is there's no other background noise. It's really weird. It's a bit like um, there's a great parody of the birds in The Simpsons where Maggie gets put at daycare and all the pacifiers are locked away. And Maggie does this kind of great escape style sort of journey and throws them to all the babies. And when Homer arrives with the other children later on to collect them and um, to collect Maggie, they're all sat there sucking on these pacifiers <laughs> silently like something out of the birds and Homer like shields the children as he takes them away and all you can hear is this sucking you don't even get the sucking on the tube it's just like that it's just it's just like this kind of you know the town that had its voice stolen or something so I'm inclined to agree with you as far as that London's public transport is concerned anyway. I think um, probably New York is worse because I was trying to think, you know, imagine trying to talk to a stranger in a queue in New York and it would be like, hello, how are you today? Hey, back off, buddy. You're back yes. off right now. That's, hey, that's... I'm walking here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It would not be the thing, would it? Our, our final example from The Guardian's 53 Ways to Bring Seasonal Cheer. It also indicates to me a lack of knowledge of city or urban existence because at number mm. 12, walk backwards. Turn around and start walking backwards. Begin with 10 steps and build up the distance as you take your brain out of its comfort zone and keep it guessing. Well, Jules, if you try that in Regent Street, you won't get to those first 10 steps without being killed by a young lad driving a rickshaw. Absolutely. I mean, these are people that have never experienced courier drivers operating in, in, in places, have they? I just I just worry about these people, Seti. How do they get through life? You know, what happens to them? What will happen to them? What's to become of them? I really don't know. There's some other ones in here that I found totally unhinged as well. Draw on a banana was one of them. <laughs> I I know, I just know. Also, uh, to go with my my complaints about not knowing stuff in Ottolenghi's cookbooks, mm. buy foods you can't identify. This is the most unhinged <laughs> for me, I think. Purchase food in shops where the majority of products have no English on the packaging so eating what you buy is an adventure it might be black limes a box of tamarinds or a rose water drink with vermicelli pieces it's like traveling without traveling 
these people have clearly never visited a discount bulk warehouse, have they? They go shopping in places that, you know, are charming and have lots of foods, you know, not a packet, a box of space raiders that have been out of date by three and a half years. Um, yeah, again, um, you can also, uh, what else can you do? You can, um, just, these are just so, just so terrible, aren't they really? Just all of them. You're not trying a new lipstick style then, I assume, Terence, at number 24. Um, <laughs> nor nor are we going to wank, welcome our inner trip chipmunk by, by watching TikTok videos of Squishy the Canadian chipmunk. Having said that, I might watch those. That does sound quite good. Um, scream as well. I like the fact these people are clearly quite angry and unhappy as well as, you know, dim-wittedly walking around backwards in cardigans everywhere. It's... Um, I mean, some are. I mean, I have to say, I read a really good piece the other week, um, and I would recommend this. I, I don't think I've got it to hand now, but it's it's almost like the anathema to this. Um, there's a columnist, and I know this is very niche, Sir Terence, so my hmm. apologies. But the Law Society Gazette, which does not sound like the world's most exciting publication, no. I will give you that, um, has a rather nice little column that's written by somebody anonymously each week and it's called mother-in-law and this woman writes about her experiences being you know being a mother trying to be a lawyer juggling everything all that kind of stuff and it got particularly good during the lockdown actually and and she did a hundred tips for well-being this week and I have to say they were really good and they were just they were just things that were actually Oh, I didn't. I really, I forgot that about sort of you know standard hmm. stuff like drinking water, but also, you know, taking a certain time out to to remember what you can't do, all that kind of stuff. And she she recommended songs to dance to in the kitchen with your family or housemates or loved ones. And one of her recommended ones was "I Had the Time of My Life." Although as she said it's very important you agree beforehand who is catching who because otherwise that could go quite wrong. But um, there are good articles to be written about this. Um, I'm not sure this Guardian one is the right one here i must say i'm not sure i'm going to be trying many of these although i do quite like the idea of squishy the chipmunk that that one you mentioned which was um by foods that you don't identify yes. you don't know what they are that just reminded me it was giving me a, a flashback to um i remember when um joe strummer and tim on dog were, mm. they were living in a squat in kilburn and they had no money, of course, or very little money. And there was mm. a supermarket just around the corner. And it had this, um, um, like a basket, a big basket uh, yes. of tins where the labels had come off. Ah, uh, yes. So you didn't know. And they were, it was like, I think, um, two pence per tin. Because oh, so they were just trying to get rid of them. then, yes. And they used to go around there every day and just buy one or two tins. And whatever it was, that was going to be their main meal of the day. So sometimes wow. they might strike lucky and it might be a big tin of beans. But the next day it could be a tin of peaches. And that was like their, their dinner their for the main day. Meal. So, Absolutely. That, yeah. That's it. That's, that's, so you see, maybe, maybe oh, don't suppose the garden. There is one of these that I do really like, though, and I will very much... Um, I will be adopting this. So look forward, friends and acquaintances of mine, for getting these for Christmas. Make personalised biscuits. You could stamp lovely messages on biscuits using alphabet stamps, but it's suggesting here that you say things like "you disgust me" and rude messages. So, um, so look forward to to your you great big stinker great. biscuits that you're getting from me for Christmas. I um, I dislike you intensely for uh, for your enemies, perhaps made out of biscuits. Thank you, you're the Guardian, for their 53 ways to add cheer to your life as winter looms. Yeah, thanks for that, guys. That was great. <laughs> Coming right up, the horror of book clubs. And um, plus, we're remembering Victor Lewis Smith. 
Mm. Uh, that's next after David Sigerson. Got some folks in Oklahoma. Never been out there myself. But Aunt Ruby bakes some bread at least. And sends it east to help the celebration. Got an uncle in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills to be precise. Quite away from Oklahoma, but then so's New York. Now ain't that nice? It's a big country. Merry Christmas, everybody. Just a word from me and then to say we're fine. Got some cousins up in Bozeman, raising sheep out in the snow. Merry Christmas, girls, you're crazy. But I guess you know. Got a niece down in Virginia. Hard to picture how she's grown. It's your uncle calling Angel. Can you put your mama on the phone? It's a big country. Merry Christmas, everybody. Just a word for me and then to say we're fine. that on our last few christmas mm. editions over the years i look forward and, to hearing it it's good fun <laughs> and it well it remains top of the tree for me and um, mm. like juliet this chap he's something of a polymath he's a mm. novelist a music executive a, a, a journalist a producer mm. this is from his self-titled debut album in 2008 david sigerson and it's a big country it's a great song, and that's kind of you to compare the two of us. Although I would mm. say, unlike me, David Sigurdsson is very good at all of those things that he does. So, <laughs> so I thought we should give David his credit here. From about the beginning of December, people close to me often say, "Oh, what about books? There must be some books you'd like." And mm. this is said by people who also tell me I'm the most difficult person in the world to buy gifts for because I always say I've got everything 
I need, mm-hmm. which I mean, I you are my you are my dad, and I claim my ten pounds because <laughs> he's exactly the same. He gets mm. so many books for us from us for Christmas mm. because there is just nothing else that he can really or socks or filofax insert. He still he still has an old fashioned paper filofax. We still have to have gone increasingly wild quest to try and find these filofax inserts for him. He said to me a few years ago, "Can't you just go and buy them from the W Smiths in the town centre?" To which I've said, "Dad, that's been a wait since Yates's wine lodge for 25 years but um yeah i i agree you you chaps of a certain vintage you're not the easiest to purchase for no i think as well when you, you say i've got everything i need i think it, it, it can either make the person sound wonderfully humble or the most pompous man in history so <laughs> or perhaps uh, a bit of both who knows maybe both. I did, listeners you I, decide and did i did once buy my friend a badge for someone that had everything that said i got everything on it and when i gave it to him he in fact already had one so <laughs> so it's, the it's point not doubly always, so yeah absolutely so maybe maybe we can i can get you a badge saying i've got everything except this badge which i now have although we have quite a big badge i think i'm not quite sure how how big that would have to be to fit all those words on yeah, that'd be, that'd be very zen, wouldn't it? Be, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I do read a lot of books. For the last few years, I've been reading diaries, biographies, autobiographies, mm. um, oh, uh, and um, books of letters related to significant people between, say, mm. 1900 and 1950. So the Mitfords, yes. Daphne Cooper, Cecil Beaton, Chips Channon. I'm currently working my way through the diaries of James Lee's Mill. Uh, Mill. Mm. Uh, my problem is that I'm all the trap. This is what happens. I always anticipate what I want to read next to the absurd point mm. that I've got about 30 books of that genre in my queue. So clearly there's no point in suggesting anyone should buy me anymore. But what I don't need, Jules, is to be assailed by the ever-growing range of literary festivals yes, yes. and so-called book clubs. And I see that Reese Witherspoon has overtaken Oprah as the queen of literary suggestion groups in terms of popularity. 2.5 million people wow. follow Reese Witherspoon's book club, which uh, a, a, a sceptical person may see as a divine marketing opportunity. And mm. well, 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 you can buy box sets of books, scented candles, of course, yes. and even Reese Witherspoon's <laughs> socks through her outlet. Jules, tell them to leave me alone, please, with my chips, Channon. I don't want Richard and Judy or Reese or Oprah to tell me what to read. I mean, I think that's a perfectly reasonable request. Oh, I mean, just when you think every cynical marketing ploy has been really, every well has been tapped dry. Reese Witherspoon then sells socks that you can read whilst reading the books that she's recommended to you. I've always had some time for Reese Witherspoon, but even I wave goodbye to my eyes as they roll down the pavement, Mm. having rolled out of my head. I find this... I mean, book groups are intense pressure anyway. And I think in this little article about Reese Witherspoon, Elle Hunt from The Guardian puts this really well here, where she says, every novel I've ever read as part of a book group has involved a sprint to the finish. So true. If you're in a book club and you have <laughs> yes, to read course. a book every month, it, <laughs> they say it takes your whole life to to read your to write your first album and six months to write your second. Mm. It takes three and a half weeks to read the first half of your book of book club and two nights to read the second half where you've got to that point you think oh god it's on thursday oh no i'm not going to know what to say very much a fan of i know some women that are in that are in book clubs where the book is sort of the book club has a glancing blow to the book i think i think it's discussed briefly to be polite but mostly just seems to involve drinking wine and having a laugh which sounds like more my sort of thing i was briefly in a book club called the rock and roll book club where we read books about music 
and that was quite good and one of the, one of us that ran the book club used to write a quiz every week and not every week, every month about the book and the winner and i don't know how this happened terence won a particularly dire sting solo album on cd that oh. then was sort of a, i know that you like him but it was yeah. one that was it wasn't one of the good ones it was one of the one of the the, the really stinky ones that then ended up getting passed round each person that won quote unquote the quiz had to go home and listen to it and then pass it on to someone else so so it became this sort of a this sort of totem of the book club i think book clubs can be quite fun having said that as you say it's this kind of pulpit celebrityness of it people that don't people that are telling you what to read i don't know i, I don't know how i feel about this actually terence part of me thinks all oh, these people have no expertise and then part of me thinks yeah but isn't that how literature dies when you get people in you know in in chairs on bbc2 in black and white very <laughs> late at night being the you know being the authority it, you know literature goes to the dusty pages of the tls to pass away doesn't it and, and this is what this is at least keeping literature alive and keeping people interested and keeping keeping it sort of vibrant i quite enjoyed bbc2 and i think sky as well have done some book clubs on tv where they have sort of people of notes coming in talking about books that they like i like the idea of sharing books and people enjoying books i very much enjoyed one of the unlikely lockdown storylines on twitter of 2020 we spoke of e17 earlier on in their mm. stay another day tony mortimer the author of that song got really into reading during lockdown. I think he had been previously dyslexic or something or had struggled at school mm. and was so wholesome in his joy. And he became massively popular on Twitter and loads of people were recommending books. And there were a, there's a piece about it, I think, somewhere. And he was just really in love with reading. And I, I love that. And I do love this idea that, that we still want to celebrate books. It's just really annoying when you've had a really busy week and it's not your turn to pick the book and someone has said let's do crime and punishment and you've got three <laughs> days to finish it off and you've, you've really planned your life badly oh man the hardest thing is trying to pick a book that everyone's going to like not everyone is going to moan about maybe outsourcing it to somebody else is a good idea maybe mm. that saves for fights does that have to be reese witherspoon mm, i might be with you on that one city <laughs> i mean talking about book clubs just as um, things often remind you of an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, you mm. often remind me of an episode of uh, Seinfeld. And I, I was just remembering <laughs> yes. that George Costanza's girlfriend, there's an episode called The Couch. George Costanza's girlfriend gets him to join a, a book club and they're assigned to read Breakfast at Tiffany's. And George just can't get on with it at all. So he goes to <laughs> he goes um, to a video store to try and rent the video yeah. uh, to, 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 to um, watch it that way but they you know it goes horribly wrong after that because they haven't got a copy of it but he looks over the clerk's shoulder and sees the people who rented it goes round to their house oh, somehow gets gosh. them to let him watch breakfast at tiffany's but he spills um his drink all over their couch so he gets thrown <laughs> out so he has to go to the this book is, club and try and bluff his way through it and it all goes terribly is, wrong this is i mean my friend you still occasionally refers to me as george costanza and yes. it offends me every single time <laughs> almost as offensive as the same friend insisting on calling me psyduck from pokemon as well it's it's these are never good names terence i'm never keen but yes there is 
I did have a friend that did a split English and law degree and she got a lower second second on her English degree and afterwards admitted that for stuff like The Hours, for example, she had only seen the film adaptation rather than having read the book. Yeah. So so this happens quite a lot, it's it has to be cheese. said. Yeah. It's uh, and, and also, why is it that some of these celebrity book clubs Every time I'm recommended a book, if I did want to, I'd pop to a bookshop, look at it. It was usually Waterstones. You'd look on the cover. Guess what? It's already been a TV adaptation oh, or a film. And and it's like, you know, I'm not saying that, that everyone has to read, I don't know, Muriel Spark all the time. Although I think more book clubs should read Muriel Spark. But it's it's... I don't know. I just, I, it all just seems such hard sell, doesn't it? I think you put it well earlier on when it's like, it's all about the money, isn't it? It's all about mm. can you get on these lists? You know, which film, what company has optioned your book, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I, it's all a bit of a big grip for me. And it rather takes away from actually what is quite a nice idea of having a book club and people coming together and, and mm. experiencing each other's company in the books. I'm quite laid back. If you want, don't want to talk about the book very much, fine. I, I used to go to a podcast book club at work and that was quite good where we'd all listen to the same podcast each week and then talk about it afterwards. Um, I think it's a... I think it's I think book clubs are great, but everything always gets the fun squeezed out of it when it gets commercialised, doesn't it? And I think this is probably what's happening here. I did feel sorry for the author in the news this week, Chelsea Banning. Mm. Who, uh, only two people turned up to her book signing recently. And it reminded me of uh, an equally excruciating, excruciating incident some years ago. I happened to be in Reading in Berkshire one lunchtime and it started to pour with rain. So I sheltered under the um, ample covered entrance to WH Smith. Mm. And just inside the door was the forlorn figure of Ingrid Seward, who is the editor of Majesty magazine that has been mm. for decades. And she was sitting at a table with a pile of her magazines and waiting to sign them for people who never came. I was there for 20 minutes um, and because the doors were open and um, she was right at the front, I actually sort of like passing time. I counted how many magazines she had on her desk. And I still remember it to this day. It was 27 because it was an odd, am odd mm. amount in a pile. And after the rain stopped, about an hour later, I, 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 was, I had been wandering down doing shopping. Well, I came back going mm. past WH Smith, going back to the car, and I thought, I'll just have a, have a count. Still yeah. 27 magazines oh, no. in the pile. And poor Ingrid Seward sitting there staring out at the world beyond. Oh dear, that's not that's not good, is it? Put, put, I, I feel for these people. I must admit, I am um, yeah, absolutely excruciating. Absolutely. Though, having said that, lots of people did try very hard to cheer Chelsea Banning up. Um, it, so so various authors getting in touch to to basically explain about um she she tweeted despondently, and I can understand why about it, and um. Various uh, very famous and successful authors then uh, sharing their, uh, their their woe. Stephen King, who's rather adopted Chelsea, by the way, and now retweets when all of her latest book signings will be so that his followers can go, which I think is very sweet. He said, at my first Salem's Lot signing, I have one customer, a fat kid who said, hey, bud, do you know where there's some Nazi books? King replied, <laughs> to which then join the club, wrote Margaret Atwood, who tweeted that one of her, uh, she said, join the club. I did 
a signing to which nobody came except a guy who wanted to buy some scotch tape and thought I worked there. Jody Pico had to direct somebody to the toilet once who thought this, that they were going to sign. They wanted her to sign their book and she didn't. Neil Gaiman once turned up and the only other person there was the person that was meant to be interviewing him. Um, you know, it's 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 these are sort of terrible things. But where this is reminded me of good old days Twitter where people come together mm. and now the fact that she's now got Stephen King saying oh she's got a book signing this week can everyone go I think it's so fab it's, it reflects so well on people like Stephen King who seems a real mensch but um but yeah I am um, my my I'm sad for Chelsea Banning but having said that she managed to get herself considerably more publicity than yes. she otherwise perhaps might have done and you know it was very sweet that she that you know she was just tweeting a disappointment really and how everyone's kind of pumped her up which is great and so yes i i have a few signed books at things um and yes i i so i you say that you're sort of sick of literary festivals and and whatnot Mm. i used to get signed books from my university uea has a good creative writing program by good i mean sort of world class and they used to have festivals so i have my copy of oranges and not the only fruit signed to me by jeanette winterson so that is a nice thing to always have and the the trade was busy for that evening so because it was full of people like me so so it was a it was all right but but yeah i am i wish chelsea banning very well and my congratulations to all of the nice authors that that gave her comfort particularly stephen king who now appears to be her agent by the look of it (laughs) that's excellent i mean there's more in the uk there's more literary festivals um organized now each year than there are Mm. um days in the year there's (laughs) well over 350 uh, in the uk and my the issue with them is that they've gone from what they what they originally were it's what you referred to earlier about marketing so on where it used to be perhaps getting a few authors in and chatting to people and if you wanted to buy the book you did so now they are a cynical marketing exercise you get three authors in they all do 20 minutes each um, and at the back of the room, before you, as you go out, uh, they're sitting at desks, and um, you know, so they'll sign copies for mm. you. But you feel very much rather like you're being processed on yes. a conveyor belt. You know, here you are. And of course, the other thing, which does mean a lot to people in in the austerity age that we live in, and yes. you know, I'm, I'm afraid to say this, but it's the truth. If you wanted to buy, I, mean, I mentioned Chips Channon earlier that mm. I've just read mm. the three volumes of. Um, I think they're they're massive and they're hardback they're 35 pounds now there's a lot of places um my favorite hayward hill bookshop in mayfair selling them signed by the editor simon Mm. heifer but of course the truth is you can go on to amazon and buy them for 15 16 pounds new and that's the other problem with the literary festivals if you buy three books of authors you admire at literary festival you're going to be spending close to 100 quid if you buy those three books off a online retail site you're going to pay less than half that yeah um, absolutely but i yeah. but i i thought about this myself a while ago and i just decided i would make the choice to buy less mm. books from independent bookshops and uh, you can buy signed issues i've got a signed copy of hung of hungry by grace dent which is excellent um from fox lane books i think and uh, and a copy of a signed copy of a cook eat repeat or how I, I can never remember all the words in that title but the nigella one anyway and oh, i yeah. 
I just decided that yes, I completely understand what you're saying, but I just think well, in which case I'll buy slightly less books then, um, yeah. and and just and just do it that way. It's um yeah, it's, it's a dilemma, it's, it's, and I you know I respect you know what you do, and you know each must do their own. But you know if you're on a you know very 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 low income, yes. then you exactly. know, you can, no, absolutely. you have to make I'm not, another choice. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not judging anybody for how no, they do it. No, of course not. Um, the writer and broadcaster Victor Lewis Smith died this weekend. Mm. Never was there such a polarised person. Some people <laughs> loved him, some very much didn't. And how he rolled up as a very, very young producer on BBC's mid Midweek show, mm. we, we, we may never know. But I do remember meeting Libby Purvis once, the presenter of Midweek. Mm. And she was telling me a few years ago now that such were the tensions um, that she once threw a chair at Victor Lewis Smith wow. um, in the studio. Wow. Um, she I missed it. But, I, 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 I can't imagine her doing that. that exactly. That's quite, what, what must you be like to drive Libby Purvis yeah. to throw yeah. a chair at you? Goodness me. I mean, he, he worked at Radio 4 and on Loose Ends, um, the Saturday morning show, at the same time as me. I worked on Loose Ends. Oh, did you? And, oh, well, yeah, I knew yeah. you did, but I didn't know you worked at the same time as him. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. And he was never rude to me at all. In fact, he often made me laugh so much that, you know, I could hardly breathe. He had a fantastic <laughs> sense of humour. But he, he could. He was notoriously difficult uh, to mm. work with and unwilling to see another point of view. However... Um, a very talented comedic writer and broadcaster, but just don't expect to see Libby Purvis at the funeral service. Well, I mean, if she's going to be at the wake, make sure you take your own chair, frankly, <laughs> because, you know, it might not, might not go terribly well. Isn't it amazing how these people, how there are certain people in life that are just just antagonizing to certain people aren't they just sort of in repose the 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 mild i just i'm i'm stunned by the mild mannered libby purvis flinging yeah. a chair across the True room at story. him that is yeah. that is that is just mind-boggling isn't it really i wonder if everyone anyone will ever want to throw a chair at me as the chance perhaps they already have but have just showed restraint who knows but um yes it, yeah. it's a very you know i remember his columns in the private eye and i remember as a 15 16 year old thinking they were they were fab so so <laughs> So, yes, I am, like you say, perhaps a bit before my time in some senses, but um, like you say, he was certainly someone that was that was that was always produced stuff that was interesting. I never really understood his Channel 4 documentaries as a teenager, but I thought they were quite good nonetheless. Thanks very much for listening this week and indeed this year. Um, indeed. Uh, thank you very much for being with us throughout as we've managed to we've flung another year behind us. So too. Yeah, we've managed to, five, eight, still two. Doing My this. goodness me. Um, goodness me. Thank you for being with us throughout, by the way. We love having your company. Now, although we're taking a short break for Christmas and New Year, there will be, uh, to fill the gap, a couple of special editions, um, as people often ask for them at holiday periods. I mm. know that uh, people, you know, um, like it if we fill in while we're away, as it were. Yes, so, we, will, uh, we, will, we will come up with some sort of bumper pull-out edition yes. when we can, indeed. Certainly not throwing around chairs on her radio show. <laughs> it's Juliet on Noisebox. I mean, they would be sedan chairs if they were, surely, because we are we are nothing if not smooth on on the yacht for smooth sailing. It will be the smooth sailing Christmas special this week. Always oh. my favourite show of the year. Um, on Sunday, the eighteenth of December. Um, there may be an appearance on Christmas Day, um, pre-recorded. I'm not quite sure yet. I will let you know. But uh, yes, in the meantime, two hours of 
uh, um, smooth sleighing, um, which will be, uh, thank you, which will be, uh, yes, Christmassy, Christmassy cheery tunes that will still keep the relaxed and uplifting vibe. So 79pm, noiseboxradio.com. Another one of those songs without sleigh bells that mm. just feels right for Christmas. Absolutely. It was, it was, again, one of those songs which just happened to hit a nerve at Christmas time, didn't it, when it was released? Again, uh, usually finished smooth sailing Christmas with this. Another sort of lockdown number. Um, I love the hype of this. Also, I can't believe it's not Macca. How on earth is this not Paul McCartney and the Beatles? It's an almost perfect pastiche. Uh, Fry Height and. As we move into 2023, we are keeping the dream alive. Tonight the rain is falling Full of memories Of people and places And while the past is calling In my fantasy I remember their faces The hopes we
Listening to a Parish Council production.